0: WrestlingInc.com brings you Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, the podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in-depth on NJPW, AEW, ROH, PWG, and more. Also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers, listener Q&As, and extended discussions about wrestling topics past, present, and future. Now, here's your host, Kelsey.
1: Hi and welcome to Two-Face Wrestling Talk. We just got back not that long ago from Vegas. We're going to bring you all the first-hand news because we were there live in person at Double or Nothing and at StarCast. It was a lot of fun. I'm joined with my co-host, Paul. (laughs) I almost forgot to introduce you. (laughs) Jeez, I'm Pete's.
2: (laughs) You know they say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, some some of my money happened to stay in Vegas. Yeah. Not that bad though. We had a good time.
1: We did it at a great time. We were with our friend Anthony from Smart to Death and his awesome wife, Olivia. We had $2.50 beers, and they were good beers, too. It was awesome. That was, like, the highlight of the trip for me. We went to this awesome casino, found affordable beers.
2: Hey, I finally got to meet the owner of this site, <laughs> this website. Oh, yeah, and Raj. <laughs> so so that was, that was uh, so we were part of that panel discussion that we had uh, talked about that we'd be on, and... Uh, Make sure you check that out on Wrestling Inc. as well. As so we were joined by uh, all the people from uh, Wrestling Inc. and we had a nice hour-long panel discussion on Friday. Yeah, Friday. <laughs>
1: uh, or was? Oh yeah, it was Friday. It yes. was Friday. <laughs> yes, I thought it was Thursday for a second. But we weren't even in Vegas on Thursday. <laughs> no, we, we were in New Orleans <laughs> going to a Paul McCartney concert. So crazy couple of days. We also got to see Glenn at that Wrestling Inc. panel. Someone mm-hmm. else I really like from Wrestling Inc. So catch up on that. It's on the Winkley. I believe, a few days ago, mm-hmm. so check that out if you want to see what we said. It's funny, we talked a lot about John Moxley, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose, and Suzuki, and uh, who knows what we'll see in the future, because now we know John Moxley is going to be a part of Dominion, Yeah. so he's working with New Japan Pro Wrestling.
2: Yeah, we all know what that's going to entail, and we'll uh, talk some New Japan in the second block, along with a little, little, little bit of WWE and NXT, but... Uh, This show is all or mostly about AEW.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and double or nothing. Yep,
2: so let's get to it.
1: Okay, let's get right into it. And we should also tease that we've got some great interviews to play for you, uh, not only this week, but the next two weeks as well after this week. We have this week for you... Brandon Cutler, and Christopher Daniels. Next week, it'll be our good friend, wrestling artist, so talented. He did our logo for our podcast, Eric Hotson. That's next week. And Jimmy Havoc as well next week. And then for our final interview on the third week, Coke Cabana, because it's the longest one.
2: Yeah, really long interview. And, uh, of course, you'll be posting those as well on your social media. So talk about your social media as well. And plus the new show you just had this week and what you got coming up.
1: You can find me on Twitter at SuperKickInIt, S-U-P-E-R-K-I-C-K-I-N-G-I-T. I do a lot of polls on there. I do a lot of questions where I want to find out you guys' opinions on wrestling. And recently, I asked a lot of people, who do you think would win in a Steel Cage match? Bugs Bunny or Mickey Mouse? And to see the results of the poll, you should check out my latest live video. You could find it on my YouTube channel. Super kicking It With Kelsey, that's spelled K-E-L-S-I. It's also on my Periscope, that's spelled Super kicking It, just like my Twitter. Also, if you just go to my Twitter profile, you'll see a couple posts down the Periscope video on my profile. So all that, you'll find out who most people thought would win in a steel cage match, and who I think would win in a steel cage match. And all the scenarios people made up, it was great. Someone asked me, who's the booker? And oh. I said, well, the booker is someone who's a neutral entity, Scooby-Doo. He doesn't care who is booked to win. He just wants to make money so he could buy more Scooby Snacks. (laughs) It's all so ridiculous, and there's even more ridiculous scenarios in that video. So check it out, please. I think you guys will laugh.
2: But now it's time for news, opinions, and everything that is wrestling. It's time for headlines. And we're going to start and go heavy on AEW Uh, overall thoughts before we get into any of the specifics.
1: Overall thoughts, I really loved it. At first, I thought it started slower than usual. And I say than usual. Then the last big show that it was kind of AEW. It wasn't officially AEW, but all in. All in, I felt like from the beginning to the end was magical all the way throughout. Whereas I feel like Double or Nothing was really, really good. I enjoyed the, you know, casino battle royal. But I feel like it did start a little bit slower. It's unfair to compare it to All In because it was the first time. I know a lot of people are saying, you can't compare. It's not fair. But uh, overall, it was wonderful. Especially it ramped up the last three matches. Yeah. What would you think?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, you, you say about the comparison, and I said it on Spare Change right after. Unfairly, I was comparing it to All In. But All In also had Impact stars, Ring of Honor stars... And it was high energy throughout. This was not... There were times where there was definitely lulls in the crowd. Uh, I thought, to me, even as much as I love SoCal Uncensored, I wasn't even that invested uh, until really Best Friends match. Because not only were they great, but the, the, the guys they, they went against, who I didn't really know much about... Uh, Angelico and or Angelico, I can't even remember how it was pronounced. And
1: Jack Evans. And Jack
2: Evans. And they were really good. They yeah. were they were uh, interesting to watch. And then it to me, you know, then there was another little lull. But then you know, towards the end. The, the last three matches were gold.
1: To me, the last three matches were like A++, plus, all of them. And I knew the Bucks versus Lucha Brothers would be right. amazing because if you guys didn't catch our episode last week, I'm really proud of it because we went in depth on three Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers matches, and they're all from PWG. Now, one of the matches was a triple tag team match. Right. It wasn't just the Lucha Brothers versus Young Bucks, but two out of the three were, and we, we talked about all three. And I'm really proud of how we broke it down and we went really really hardcore with our analysis of it and so please check that out if you missed it because i think you'll really like the differences you'll hear us describe those matches and to me those were completely different than the one we saw at double or nothing i really thought they would have some callbacks but there really wasn't many callbacks to those sets of matches
2: uh the only thing for me as far as uh all uh double or nothing is we have not had a chance to watch the broadcast, yeah, yes. we we haven't we haven't found a loophole uh, uh, to not pay sixty dollars after we just paid two hundred dollars for the actual show, so we haven't had that TV experience of it yet. So, what we're going to discuss is going to be similar to how we felt right after afterwards, uh, you know, because again, we, we we don't have the benefit of what the broadcast was like. We've heard what people have said about the broadcast itself and whatnot.
1: I really wish we did have that comparison because I love giving you guys two sides of the coin. Like, the being there live and the seeing it. Because I would love to give my two cents about jr's commentary that's the thing i'm interested in the most i've actually heard decent things about him and great things about excalibur which is really that's what i really care (laughs) most about that people loved excalibur and you know before you all go on and saying like oh yeah he's great i told you he'd be great i told you (laughs) people were like who do you want to do commentary for aew first thing i said was excalibur and it came true so and i told you guys he'd rule and he he does rule so i'm very proud of him very happy
2: well, let's get into it, and let's start with that Casino Battle Royal, which, you know, again, right off the bat, I was comparing it to the Battle Royal from All In, which I actually enjoyed more, but you actually like this Battle Royal quite a bit.
1: I loved it, and I don't know why you're so down on it. It had so many people we loved in it. Like, I know, I guess you don't like them as much as me. I know you don't like Joey Janella as much. I like Joey Janela. I know, but not as much as me. I, think I love of, Joey Janela.
2: Part of it was I was kind of distracted. I was getting in to the building late because yeah. I had to run a little side errand because... Somebody decided they needed to bring their backpack. You told could... me
1: to bring the book bag. You're like, we could check it.
2: So I had to find somewhere fault. in the hotel to check it. So, uh, I again, like, that's a perfect example. I'd like to see that on TV because my opinion of it is kind of skewed because I, yeah. by the time I got, you know, food and settled into the seat, it was, like, already into the match. So. Yeah,
1: I understand that. Like, it was kind of a lot more hectic for So you have
2: a better perspective
1: of that I mean, match. Jimmy Havoc seeing him, I was like, And we interviewed him. Like I mentioned earlier, I can't wait for you guys to hear it. We talked about his arse, (laughs) but much more. (laughs) You'll find out why next week. (laughs) It's so ridiculous. Um, It's
2: it's not what you think. That's for sure. No, Or it might be. I don't know. know.
1: (laughs) It has to do with Matches. Uh, no, we, we
2: don't We don't need to go any farther than okay. it's about his R's. Okay.
1: And I only said it that way because he said it that way. Yes. It sounds more PG when you say it with an R, so yeah, exactly. whatever. It's okay, we're still PG. I said it with an R. <laughs> <laughs> so it had him in it. It had, of course, Hangman Page. We all suspected he might be the last guy to enter in, and he was. Now, a lot of people are speculating, uh, not speculating, they're kind of saying that they would have enjoyed... Ty Dillinger, Sean Spears, they would have enjoyed his entry more had it been a surprise. That they kind of missed out on it being I agree. a bigger deal because they announced it ahead of time and they shouldn't have. Yeah. I could agree with that too because it was fun seeing him. It was fun chanting 10, but it wasn't what it could have been if it was a surprise. I think he would have made a bigger impact yeah. had it been a surprise. And MJF, you're the hugest MJF fan I, right now. I love MJF. And he shined. His heel work was great in that casino battle royal so to me because of all those people i love i thought it was a great a great battle royal
2: yeah mjf is quickly becoming one of my favorites because he's such an a-hole i know you're like his promo later when they revealed the championship belt and he's he said to bret hart which by the way a huge surprise bret hart being there
1: people went crazy (laughs) they were so happy to see him show off the belt
2: but uh, mjf comes out with the mic and says to bret hart watch out bret there's a fan I, thought that, I laughed so hard.
1: That was so terrible. But, but great. But, great heel work.
2: But uh, the Casino Royale, uh, MJF kind of played the sneaky role. Thought he was going to pull one over when Paige thought he had won. And, and he tried to eliminate him, but he ends up still getting eliminated. Adam Page was the, the winner of that. But really the big winner was Brandon Cutler being in that battle royale.
1: Yeah, I really love Brandon Cutler. He's... Really just kind of like an underdog that's really come up and shined lately. If you guys have been watching Being the Elite, he was on a recent episode, and you and I watched it together, actually. You see Matt and Nick offer him an AEW contract, and it's legit tears Mm -hmm. that come out of Brandon Cutler. He's just so happy and relieved. And we had the pleasure of catching up with Cutler at StarCast the day after. Double or Nothing, so the day after he was a part of the Battle Royal, and also he's really good friends with the Bucks, we talked about his experience at Double or Nothing, his experience signing with AEW, and we talked about my favorite Young Bucks match that he was a part of in PWG, so we're going to play that for you now, Uh, hope you enjoy it. I'm here with Brandon Cutler. I feel like it's the wrestling Cinderella story. Everyone's rooting for you after that last being the elite. Talk about the whirlwind of emotions you must be feeling. You know, joining AEW, having that moment last night at Double or Nothing. And Matt and Nick are your friends, so seeing all this unfold, how do you feel?
3: Just overwhelmed is how I can imagine everyone's feeling after that night. um, With how many surprises were (laughs) through that show um but for me specifically yeah just so much appreciation for the the stuff i've been given and how i can support my family and stuff now um that that's what washed over me in that moment in that in that video on being the elite is just the security of knowing like my family is going to be taken care of now and then uh after that was like the appreciation of everything i've been working uh, on with them and like uh how They've seen it. It's, it hasn't been overlooked, and that's one thing with these guys is they take note of everyone that how hard they are working and everything that they do, uh, whether you think it's unnoticed or not. Like they notice. Like they they've done that from top to bottom, all the way from the ring crew to the top stars. They've taken care of everybody and they know like, oh, I'm going to get that guy because he's always done this for us or he's he's gone the extra mile for us when we're in this company. Let's bring to our company. And so I was telling some of the people even in my meet and greet today, it feels like this is kind of like, like the NBA All-Stars game is we've taken, we've picked all the best people in their positions, again, from ring crew to refs to wrestlers to any, any position you can think of, like they handpicked everybody that they wanted it wasn't just like who's who's available or who they can get it was like I want that guy I'll figure out a way to get him like like they did that for Rick Knox for Excalibur Excalibur has a great job and they said we want him what what is it going to take for him to announce for us let's do whatever it takes to get him on our team and they're doing it
1: they really are and you mentioned Two big names to me, because uh, I'm a big PWG fan. You mentioned Excalibur and Rick Knox. Uh, PWG, you know, stalwarts, I love them so much. A lot of people don't know. You performed a lot for PWG back in the day, part of the Cutler Brothers. A lot of people ask me all the time because I'm a big Young Bucks fan. They say, What's your favorite Young Bucks match? I always say the same answer. Cutler Brothers versus Young Bucks versus El Generico and Paul London. That is an underrated match. It's a gem. It's a beautiful, high, you know, high energy fast paced match, can you tell me about that match? What went into it and how do you think of it now?
3: Yeah, I, I went back when I got back into wrestling in um, January of 2018. I went back and looked at that match cuz that is one of our like most, like at least for the Color Brothers, that's one of our highly rated matches. Uh, and it holds up till today, Like it's a great match. Um, I remember being in that match that it was originally, it was gonna be a guerrilla warfare between just us and the Bucks. And that was already just amazing, because at the time I think they had only done maybe two or three Guerrilla Warfare matches before us, and we were gonna be the first tag team Guerrilla Warfare match. So that was like a high honor to have. Uh, And then that uh, kind of like a month before or so, uh, they said like, oh, we're gonna add in also Paul London and El Generico. And at that moment, I've been wanting to wrestle both of those guys for so long. And uh, still to this day, I love Paul London uh, in and out of the ring. The guy's just such a gem himself uh... to have a match with them and in, in, with those stipulations on it, in a guerrilla warfare, first ever tag guerrilla warfare, on top of it being in the ring with the, the Bucks, our best friends. Uh, it was one of those like beyond dream matches is kind of a term I'm, I'm starting to come on as uh, there's things that are beyond dreams. There's not, there's dream matches and then there's beyond dreams where it's something that you couldn't have even fathomed was something you wanted. Just like uh, AEW I've been saying this week is a, it's a beyond dream job. Where a dream job would have been. Uh, working something with the Bucks and like the same company and making enough money to support my family. A beyond dream job is they own the company and they hired me in the way they did and stuff like that where it's, it surpasses any dreams you could have even fathomed yourself.
1: That's such a beautiful way to put it. I I totally can see that for sure. Some of my favorite parts of that PWG match was the, the pops on the table, and Matt went through the table, and then the rake, the actual rake used <laughs> yeah. in the match. Right so many intense moments in that match. Definitely a classic. People should check it out if they haven't seen it, because it's truly one of my favorites, and you were a big part of that.
3: Yeah, that was great. I remember that uh, we also where we tossed Paul London and El Generico into, like, the bar, uh, behind the bar, and, and both of their feet hit the, the, the wood above that. It was just funny how they both went over the same way. Uh, another one that was great was that how we tossed Nick over, we both military pressed Nick over into them in the huge audience, that was a great memorable moment too, so many, how we teased that we were going to tombstone them on the chairs and stuff, yeah great callbacks and uh, it's great to see that kind of stuff too of how even at that when we retired that Matt and Nick saw the great potential in our tandem tombstone and then they took it the next level and it's now known as the Meltzer driver, because like I would have never been able to do that front flip like Nick does so it's like that was just that was destiny that they they took it and they young bucked it they made it way better than it could have ever been kind of a thing
1: they young bucked it I think that should be an official term It it really could be and I think I loved your first answer you were talking about they do see the little things people do and I saw it too other people might not have seen it but you did a lot of work with the Bucks if you look back at Starcast last year we did our podcast there you were in the Background helping with the merch table, helping Dana, and not only that, your wife helped design their gear, make their gear. So just talk about working with the Bucks, and they obviously really have appreciated that.
3: Yeah, that was the thing I was kind of reflecting back on the other day of uh, what I did with them at StarCast. Yeah, I helped them with a lot of like just uh, how much they sign on stuff like that. They sign like hundreds of things before they even go out to StarCast. So just helping them like move the products with that and then helping with their merch. Again, this year at StarCast, they're using my car to use a lot of uh, to haul this stuff back from StarCast to the MGM to, to make sure they have enough, con- uh, m- enough merch to sell. Um, and then just during the show uh, I keep saying last year like it's a full year ago, but uh, at all in uh, Yeah, I, I helped them they passed that off they uh, that hot topic want to do the Twitter takeover and they were gonna be so busy during the show that they're like Brandon Do you want to do this for us? Do you want to like? Handle hot topics Twitter during the show and I was like, all right I'll do it. I'll, I'll step in and do that on top of like, you know, being in the, the battle Royal uh, also on there uh, there's a couple of other things oh yeah and then that my wife made so many people's gear trying to get that gear to them that day and whatnot uh, they saw it and they they appreciated it and so they had that just you know checked in their bank until they they had another show uh, and just being on being the elite uh, helping them just when they're in town I'd help them film that or shoot that or give them ideas for like what they could do on that and they they were banking all of this that whole time so that when they started their company they knew Oh well, we we have Brandon on the team. Like he's been helping us with like a lot of content, even before now. It's not like I jumped like like I jumped ship of like, oh you guys got AEW, can I get a contract? Like they've seen I've been helping them, without ever asking for anything, uh, just to help them because they're my friends. Like when I heard about All In, I told them oh, I'll help you guys in any regard you need. Just I, And that was it. It wasn't like, oh, if you guys want me to like to get hired or to do anything. I was like, if you guys need me like, to help set the ring up or to set chairs out, I'll do that Like just to be there and like support you guys. And so they see it of like that I'm not the only one. They're doing that stuff too. There's a lot of guys that go out of their way to help them. Uh, And not expect anything in return and I've seen it because we're doing it again this this weekend with StarCast Everyone's like going nuts to help each other Uh, Like and I see it as like we're a family. It's not like we're a team and we all are we're co-workers It's like no, we're we're a family that the Bucks pulled us together kind of a thing We're, We're like a built family and we all we all feel that way with each other
1: so yeah, they saw it, they saw what you did, I see what you have done, and I think people are starting to see, as a whole, what you have done. And it's just such a feel-good story to see you succeed, to see you get this spotlight. I saw you in the ring last night, it really just looked like you took a moment when you first came into the ring to, to take it all in. Just talk about that feeling there, just absorbing what it was like to be there.
3: Yeah, I definitely did. Uh, this morning, I was looking back at that and being like, ah, like, what was I doing? Like, you know, you're on pay-per-view. Like, be be there. Like, you know, it, be a wrestler. Like, you know, I should have posed or something. And uh, and somebody that was talking with me pointed out, like, no, like, that was beautiful. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have felt like for your story, you should be taking it, and you should have that moment. Like, it worked. And I was like, that's true. And and Cody and Jericho both gave speeches to the to everyone uh, and made sure to point out like guys take this in there's only one time We're doing this for the first time like make sure you appreciate it And so that person brought it back to me of like okay like you're you're right like I, I definitely I shouldn't regret that. I took it in and there's no way to ever completely take it in because like I, I keep telling Everybody I could have had a half-hour entrance and I wouldn't have been able to take it in uh, uh, That that ramp wasn't long enough <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, I could have walked down that thing forever Um, but yeah, it is nice, uh, to like reflect back on it and be like, I took it in the, honestly, the best I could. Uh, and I, I, I still am thinking back on like all those different chants I was getting. And it's so surreal to think about. I'm like, those, those were for me. And like, it's nuts.
1: Well, I, for one, am glad you took it, and it was beautiful imagery, and it was really moving just to see you react like that, and I, for one, am rooting for you, and I really just appreciate your time with us today. Thank you so much, Brandon.
3: Thank you. I appreciate that.
2: So, great stuff from Brandon Cutler there, and uh, best of luck to him. Uh, really, those are those are the kind of stories you love to hear. Um, you know, he's just so appreciative that his family's going to be taken care of, and uh, you may have something down the road about his family uh, and his wife in particular.
1: His wife is supremely talented. If you guys don't know who she is, she's actually the person who makes and designs a lot of the Young Bucks gear. And she designed a lot of other people's gear, too. Of course, she designed Cutler's gear. Uh, it was awesome to see Cutler wearing his wife's gear, sitting in the ring, taking it all in. And you heard him talk about it and. a... Uh, talking about how he wasn't sure if he should be taking it in, but I'm glad he realized that was the right thing to do because it was a magical moment, and as an audience member, I noticed it right away. I snapped a picture of him taking it in, and I actually tweeted it out, and he liked it. Um, I think it's kind of neat to see a wrestler seem so emotional and that you can tell the wrestling and the moments important to them. It makes, as an audience member, it more important feel even better for me too, watching that unfold. So it was all really cool. He's wearing his his wife's gear that she made. It's it's neat. She also designed, actually, Frankie Kazarian's outfit who was based on Evil Knievel, the outfit he was wearing. Now it wasn't white, but he basically had her model it after Evil Knievel just changed the color scheme to black. Because so obviously closely, in
2: Las Vegas Evil had had that legendary jump over the fountains. And so Perfect for you, uh, Kazarian, to to request that look.
1: Yeah, it made perfect <laughs> sense for Double or Nothing being in Vegas. And we'll talk about the Bucks later, but you actually almost thought the Bucks costume was evil Knievel. It did look like that a little bit, but it was yeah. Elvis, he told us. Cutler told us his wife uh, kind of thought of this Elvis design, and they actually had thought about this when they were still back in Ring of Honor. Mm -hmm. When Ring of Honor went to Vegas, they wanted them to have these costumes, but they didn't have enough time to make them. So when Double or Nothing was announced to be in Vegas, they are like, how about we do this gear now? And they all agreed, and she made them, and hopefully I can get an interview with her, because she seems so awesome.
2: Uh, Also on the pre-show, we got to see our guy Sammy Guevara, who uh, I'm a big fan of. I think he's got extraordinary talent, and he plays the A-hole. Pretty well, too.
1: He's so good at yeah. being a jerk. <laughs> yeah. A lot like MJF. Like, he'll, you know, he's not as direct about being a jerk as MJF, but he still is, is pretty bad.
2: I'm seeing a trend on... Th- guys I'm really liking right now. MJF Guevara. Later in the show we'll be talking about El Phantasmo who I think is also an a-hole. Is
1: it because it takes one to know one? Yeah, exactly.
2: It's because I'm an a-hole. Misery loves company? Exactly. Exactly.
1: Uh, 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 I agree. uh, 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 I completely agree. Just kidding. That's my weird (laughs) uh, joke and laugh or something. I don't know what that was.
2: But yeah, I've seen some reviews and people didn't like that match that much. I thought Sammy was really entertaining and maybe Maybe uh they weren't as excited about Kip, I don't know, but I thought that was a decent match. That
1: was weird that it didn't get good ratings. And you know what I love? This is a gear thing again. I, I just love noticing the wrestler's gear. He had a really cool panda like headgear piece yep. on. It was cool. It was really, really neat. You know. you know what's weird that we were looking at CBS Sports to see what they said about it. That's who gave it like a C plus. I'm really surprised. I thought that, yeah, yeah.
2: I, I was surprised. I believe it about, was a yep, C plus yep, was their I, grade. Yep. I thought that yeah. was a surprise. So we kind of talked about it, Uh, then the show kind of gets underway, and uh, SCU SCU. against the Stronghearts, and I thought this was a decent match, but there wasn't, again, that level of excitement compared to All In and SCU's match there, where the crowd was super into it, here not as much, so uh, that part, I, I was kind of surprised that the crowd wasn't. As crazy for them as... Because they're ridiculously popular.
1: Yeah, they are. And it really did seem subdued. I don't know why that was. Like, at first... I've got a video. It does sound loud on the video when everyone says SCU. There's people who had cut out letters. You were actually saying you loved that there were no signs there, but there were letters cut out for SCU. But for
2: the most part, unlike a WWE show where you always have somebody in your way uh, with a sign, at least with the... AEW, uh, hopefully it stays that way because there were <laughs> there were no signs. But uh, SCU, Strong Hearts, Strong Hearts. I'm looking forward to seeing more of. And uh, I got a chance at Starcast to talk to Christopher Daniels about the first night of official AEW action. And uh, the other thing I really enjoyed in this conversation was talking to him about how he's reinvented himself and what his favorite personal match and favorite match as a fan is of all time. Let's start with the most immediate, start.
4: Uh, most immediate thing. Uh, double or nothing last night. Yes. Did, it, did it meet
0: and exceed your expectations? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I knew it was going to be great. I knew the energy was going to be off the charts. We walked down the aisle, first thing out of the box, and tore it up. And um, the entire show was phenomenal. Uh, nothing but positive feedback from the fans. And uh, that's just the first one of many, many more to come. Well, along those lines, the TV
4: deal now, are you... Blown away at how quickly things have taken off,
0: and and now you guys are at this point. I'm not blown away. No, I, I knew it was going to get like this. I knew that I the, energy, I knew yeah, the energy, I knew the energy was going to be there for it. Yeah, come on in, doctor. Yeah, right. um, yeah, I knew the I knew the the interest was there. I knew the energy was there. The everything that the young bucks and and Kenny and Cody have been doing in the last couple of years has has been on fire. And then um, once we started talking about doing this, we knew that. Uh, the interest was going to be there for some sort of television deal and uh, TNT stepped up and you know, in a couple months we're going to be doing it uh, TNT.
4: So yeah, we're all 100% set. You've been a part of so many promotions over the years and,
0: and had so many epic matches. How, how long do you want to keep doing this? I'm going to keep doing it until I can. I've, it's all, I've always said that, as long as I'm having fun and able to do it at a, a level that I can uh, be proud of I'm gonna keep doing it and um, now that I'm working with Frankie and Sky as a trio um, I feel like we've added years to our career uh, we've reinvented ourselves we've made ourselves fresh we've made ourselves interesting again and um, you know the fans last night uh, they let me know that SCU is is uh, popular and ready to go, and uh, it's just been a great experience this whole weekend.
4: Talk about reinventing yourself. You know, you've done it so many times throughout your career. Uh, what 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 does it take to kind of change gears and, and do different things? Be be. A, a, a fan favorite, be a heel. You know, you know, you've done it all.
0: It just it takes it takes confidence in yourself, knowing that if you decide to stray from your comfort zone, you can find something different. And um, I've never been afraid to walk away from uh, an idea that I had and move to something different. Um, you know, it's easy to stay and keep doing the same thing over and over and over. But all you do all you do then is you become stale, you become trite, and um, we never wanted to do that. So. Uh, Frankie and I, when we got together as Bad Influence, then we transitioned into the Addiction, and now we added Sky, now we're SCU. Um, All of these things have been different for a reason. We wanted to do, uh, we wanted to fill a niche, we wanted to fill a spot in a certain position, and now uh, SCU, one of the most popular parts of uh, all elite wrestling.
4: I'm gonna put you on the spot for the final question. Your favorite match of all time
0: uh steamboat savage certainly my favorite oh Oh, you meant of mine oh that's a good uh, answer too
4: steamboat savage um, is a
0: good answer (laughs) uh it's i think the one everybody always mentions has always been uh me and joe and aj from unbreakable but i have to also say um winning the roh world championship from adam cole stands out to me as well uh one of the best wrestlers in the world certainly a big highlight of my career and um Ladder War with uh, Young Bucks and Motor City Machine Guns a couple years ago also stands out as something that I think people still watch and still holds up and still appreciate. Those would be my three favorites of yours as well. So
4: so that works out. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problems. Thanks, guys.
1: Great info Mm -hmm. from Christopher Daniels. Loved hearing his thoughts about changing and always adapting to kind of fit a new mold type Mm -hmm. of thing. And the funny thing is, you said it in the interview, his three matches that he named that were his favorite are also my favorite. Now, I'll say that the Adam Cole match isn't a favorite match of mine, but the promo leading into that match that christopher daniels had is like my favorite promo that he's ever done and in my top five favorite promos ever well
2: and the moment of him winning that hell yes, finally the moment. after so the match probably isn't as memorable as what happened before and after but it was such a great storyline
1: It was a wonderful storyline, and another match that he referenced really kind of led into that storyline, in my opinion. He referenced All-Star Extravaganza 8, and that, of course, was Ladder Wars 6 that he was a part of. It was him and Kazarian. Of course, before they were a part of SCU, they were known as The Addiction. And if you guys are not familiar, because I actually saw some tweets saying that they weren't familiar with some SCU matches and for recommendations. Well, really, SCU doesn't have that long of a history. The three of them are fairly new working together now they do have some great ring of honor stuff but if you want to go back a little bit further definitely check out of course daniels and kazarian working together as the addiction and the cool thing is they actually even had a comic book that they had a lot Mm -hmm. of issues of lots of cool things about kaz and daniels together including this match i referenced a lot of wars it was the bucks versus the addiction versus motor city machine guns wonderful match and in that match Daniels is all bloodied up, messed up, and the crowd, he was working as like a heel, but the crowd totally turned and basically gained a lot of respect for him from that match because he put his body through so much in that match. Just crazy spots left and right. The ladder was like another participant in the match. The way... The video package leading into the match, the way they lit the ladder, it was like it was a person in the match. Like it was a foreboding thing. It was great. And like I said, the the imagery from that was really Daniel's covered in blood. And I think that's probably why he mentions it as one of his favorites. And I got to mention it as a favorite. And I think you guys should check it out if you're not already familiar with it. Because it's a great A match.
2: But uh, his favorite and the one he says people talk to him a lot about is is my favorite of his with Samoa and AJ. Just unbelievable match.
1: I mean, you really can't get much better than that. It still holds up, like, however many years later. It's so much older, back when TNA was TNA, not Impact.
2: Yeah, and that was, you know, that was... I didn't watch a lot of TNA, and I've said that on the podcast, but that was a match I remember watching thinking, these guys are awesome. And, uh, you know, at that point... With WWE being the main thing, I was like, boy, I would love to see these guys in WWE at some point. And two of the three are now.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it's crazy. And one's
2: leading the charge in AEW, so all good.
1: Yeah, so that's another match people should check out if they haven't already seen it. And the promo, again, leading up to the Adam Cole match, where literally Daniels cries. He talks about how he needs the championship. He needs to win. And it's just such a desperation type of thing. And beautiful emotion from him. It was awesome that you got to talk to him.
2: Yeah, it was pretty good. So uh, let's uh, let's fast forward now and get to what I thought were the uh, best three matches. There were some other moments that were good. But like I said, best friends was fun to see. There, there was uh, you know a couple of, of mistakes in the show. You know, a couple bonches in that match, the wrong bell going off in in the in the six woman tag match, but. Once we got to the big three matches, they were fantastic.
1: They really were. Like I said earlier, they were all eight matches for sure. Uh, I'd give them all really high ratings if I was giving, quote, stars or something. I would give them quite a lot of stars, almost like the most you can give. Let's start with, you know, Cody versus Dustin. All the emotion was there. The story was laid out perfectly done. And, of course, we knew one of them or both of them. I thought maybe both of them would bleed, but it only happened to be Dustin. And, boy, was it good it was just one of them because he bled enough for
2: the two of them. Yeah, that was a gusher. But right off the bat, let's start with Cody coming to the ring. And, you know, they've kind of set the stage on this that he was going to destroy the attitude era kind of thing and that's what dustin and gold dust represented and so he, he comes down and there's a a chair on the stage and it's clearly got what looks like triple h's logo and he goes and grabs a sledgehammer and takes it to the chair thought that was a great imagery the, i i think they missed the opportunity though and that he should have taken the sledgehammer to the logo of the chair itself and maybe had some pyro where the thing blew up or something too. Yeah. But I think taking it to the back of the chair would have been even more symbolic because then he would have taken out the logo.
1: Yeah, that kind of would have been even better. But I kind of like what they did with yeah. it. And I liked Brandy standing behind him being like, yeah, do, <laughs> do it. It was really cool. And it's kind of funny, like, you know, they're a wrestling power couple and the whole kind of represent their their they're kind of alluding to how they're taking down the other wrestling power club. Well, not just Triple H, but Triple H and Stephanie. So it was Cody and Brandy. So it was two against two almost, in a metaphorical sense.
2: (laughs) And uh, the other our early impression right off the bat was how phenomenal Dustin looked. 50 years old, and he... He said
1: it at the weigh-in. He had been working out the hardest he's ever worked in his life.
2: Yeah, well, it showed. Because he, I mean, you think of like his last match as gold dust... Whatever it was, I don't even, you know, I don't even know if it was a significant match as Gold Dust. But what he looked like then to what he looked like on Saturday night was incredible.
1: It really was. Uh, he definitely put in the work, and all the the in ring stuff was great. But I think the thing that took it over the top, the thing that really made it as great as it was, was what happened at the end where Cody choked up, basically asking Dustin to be his partner for the future show coming up in Jacksonville. He asked him to be with him when he fights, you know, against who was the bucks against the young bucks. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, No. And look, I'm glad that was something that they saved. I mean, I'm sure it was going to happen regardless, but I think if, if they had announced that beforehand and Dustin was a dud in the ring it would have it would not have carried as much excitement, but Dustin looked so good, and the crowd was so into some of those false finishes uh I think i w- I was really impressed at what dustin did i I thought it was a tremendous match, and then the Cody emotion after was fantastic because it was genuine, like you said he as he got to the last word where he said I need my
1: brother
2: like you, yeah. you know he's getting caught up so I thought that was
1: awesome and the pointing to the sky like you know saying dusty dad you know like yep. that was really powerful i even had some tears like in my eyes i didn't wasn't crying crying but i had <laughs> you know watery eyes i thought that was really moving and i think everyone in there felt that and you know what's cool is i really didn't think that Cody could pull it off before they announced who he was facing i was like he's not going to have how could he possibly have a big match like he did it all in? Right. That match had so much story in it, so much emotion. And they made Dusty a part of that match, too, in a way, because of how much the NWA meant to Dusty and how big of a part he was to that company and how historic the whole thing was. But also how Cody wanted to paint his own name for himself. So I really thought to myself, there's no way he can beat the Nick Aldis story. Right. But it did. It really did match it it and almost exceeded because it was family. Yeah. And it was real. It really felt real. You really can't go wrong when you've got a great story you're trying to sell and you're selling it naturally. When something comes off natural in wrestling, I feel like that's some of the best stuff and, you can ever get. And I got
2: to admit, going into this match, I didn't really have super high expectations for it. In fact, I was comparing it to the Nick Aldis match. Like, how is it even going to live up to the Nick Aldis Uh, Cody match, and it totally did for me.
1: I think it exceeded it because there's this blade spot in the original all-in Nick Aldis Cody match that I really don't like. There's a a point where Cody is underneath the table for a ridiculous amount of time at all-in. You know what he's doing. He's blading, and he's blading ridiculously to where it took way too long. This match, I didn't feel like there was any weird moments where something was going on too long where... Dustin was bleeding like, and it was taking too long. It wasn't like that. It all felt natural and flowed. So in ring, I actually liked it. I think a little better.
2: Uh, next match was uh, Lucha Brothers versus Young Bucks, and going into this show, this was the match for me. Look, I've said it: the Lucha Brothers are my favorite tag team right now. I think.
1: Yeah. And we I had a rivalry think... going. <laughs>
2: sort of, yeah. Uh, but I, I just, I knew this match was going to deliver, and. You know, you referenced our PWG rewind, and there was some choreographed nonsense in one of those matches that I really hated. This match did not have any of that phony-looking stuff. You know, it, it it felt like a great match.
1: You know what's cool is the Young Bucks actually have tweeted out some people that they purposely put in moves mm-hmm. to kind of pay homage to. One of the people, El Generico, of course, that's Sami Zayn. I think that's really cool. They did like a brain buster off the top. Really neat. Onto mm-hmm. like the turnbuckle. They did a move specifically for the Motor City Machine Guns, right. who we just referenced a, a few minutes ago when we were talking about the addiction versus Motor City Machine Guns versus the Bucks. Bucks have great respect for MCMG because they really paved the way for great tag team wrestling. They really kind of revolutionized some things in, in tag team wrestling, and people forget about them as a really big part, a cornerstone of tag team wrestling, especially in the non-WWE scene in the, you know, the later years.
2: Yeah, so... Uh,
1: I actually want to mention... This is kind of a funny story. So you, when mm. we see the Bucks come out... Of course I told you guys what their costumes are based on Elvis. And that really was awesome. I loved their gear a lot. And when they came out with the awesome gear... Literally, like, dollar bills, but you could call them Young Bucks Bucks, fell from the sky. We were kind of far back to where they weren't falling near us. So I wasn't, like, trying to scramble and get any. There weren't any around. Some security guy comes up, and he's got a handful of them. (laughs) He starts giving them out to the first row. We're in the second row. And I start – and, like, all these people are getting – I'm like, me, me, me. And then all the people getting it, I yell. And this is a joke. I wasn't really serious completely. Like, I wasn't really trying to tell them to give up their bucks. But I was like – This is ridiculous! I bet you every one of these people rooted for the Golden Lovers when the Golden Lovers and the Young Bucks faced each other at Strong Style Evolved. If they rooted for the Golden Lovers, there's no way they deserve these Young Bucks bucks. It should be me! It should be me! Two people gave me their Young Bucks bucks. One of them said, yeah, I rooted for the Golden Lovers. Do you want my bill i was like yes (laughs) thank you (laughs) but it was a it really was just all in good fun poking fun at people
2: i wish the young bucks were throwing some of their elaborate wealth around (laughs) yeah
1: i know some real bucks yeah some uh, real young bucks bucks
2: then i'd be fighting for it but a cheap little piece of paper
1: (laughs) well two things one they actually did more bang for your buck which i have not seen in forever so they pulled out that move and it's been a long time since i've seen it usually that you just see a melter driver and like that's it no, they did, of course, do the Meltzer Driver. That's how they won. And I knew they would win right then when they hit it. But um, yeah, more bang for your buck. I like how they kind of introduced it because I'm sure there's a lot of new fans watching and I think that's a great visual move. I'm glad they pulled it back out.
2: I was uh, surprised and I think a lot of people were. I think a lot of people thought the Lucha Brothers were going to win this match. Uh, and I even choked after because Cody had won and the Young Bucks had won. I'm like, all right. Apparently, AEW is just going to be the owners putting themselves over. Oh, whatever. <laughs> but I have seen now that the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers are going to have a rematch back in Mexico. That makes more sense for the, yes. the Lucha Brothers to win the titles back back in Mexico.
1: Yeah, I mean, because if you remember the clip we saw of them winning it the first time, the crowd was dead. Right. So I think the crowd seeing the Lucha Brothers win it back will pop and will be really excited. So I think this is the right way to do it when it plays out finally. But uh, my second comment about the Young Bucks match... My final comment as well is just that it really exceeded my expectations because I had high hopes going in. They were really showcasing themselves to, I think, a new audience. And I think knowing that they had a lot of hard hitting stuff. Not just comedy and and not just high flying either. In fact, the comedy was very little. There was hardly yeah, any in their match at that's all. Why I really liked it. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I like when they do comedy too. But I know that what they were trying to do, they're trying to show themselves as like some of the best tag team wrestlers. In fact, the best tag team, two sets of the best tag teams ever. So they wanted to show that, and I think they accomplished that goal. So I'm really happy with how that turned out. I guess that would have to be my favorite match.
2: Yeah, probably me too. But I think I think you could throw. Any of the last three matches in a hat, and I, I could ar- make an argument for any of them. So let's yeah. get to that last match. Kenny Omega versus Jericho. We had seen it uh, back at Wrestle Kingdom, and it was a great match. And this one was uh, just as good, I thought.
1: I think it was just as good, and I think it was really different. I was worried going in because every New Japan match that Jericho had was a really fast-paced, hard-hitting gimmicky match like basically it was super hardcore matches if you remember the naito match he throws a tripod onto him all kind of brutality i thought that maybe jericho was going that direction to where he wasn't really having the more traditional matches anymore And it was working for him in New Japan, the style he was wrestling, but this match with Kenny at Double or Nothing, I feel like, was the most wrestling I've seen Chris Jericho do in a long time. And I'm talking about, like, wrestling wrestling, like, actual wrestling. I thought he looked great. He had said he'd been in the gym working out, kind of doing some MMA-type stuff at Dave Batista's gym that Dave Batista owns, and uh, the training shows. He looked great. The only thing I didn't like is his new finisher, the Judas effect, which is like a backspinning elbow. I think it doesn't really look impactful. I think it could look a little like harder. I like the idea of it, but I think, you know, I, I don't know, I, I hope they can kind of like make it look more intense. But overall, I think he looked great. Mm-hmm. He really looked like the best he's looked in a long time in terms of wrestling quality. And he slimmed up, too. He looked really good.
2: It was a, a brutal battle. Uh, I, I thought it was funny. Uh, the AEW apparently is going to have a different kind of table than WWE or New Japan has. The table that they brought out and that Kenny eventually did the stomp on, which always makes us nervous. <laughs>
1: i That's my number one thing I hate because I get scared. He's going to break his ankle. Well, and the He's going to he, break his ankle.
2: The way he landed, I was more worried he was going to hurt Jericho because he didn't really land on the center of the table. And so I thought I thought Jericho could get hurt. But it was a brutal match. And, you know, look, Kenny gets his nose broken in the match. Leading everywhere. Bleeding everywhere. Uh, one thing should mention, neither of us overly big fans of Kenny's new music.
1: Oh, I forgot about that. Thanks for remembering. Yeah, um, I really hate it. Yeah, I'm sure it's probably based on some video game. You guys can school me on that. I'm not really a big video game person. I love movies and TVs. If it was some kind of nod to a TV show theme (laughs) song, I would know. But I just think his old New Japan song, Devil's Sky, is, like, so iconic and ridiculously well-known and goes with him so well. It's so hard to wrap my mind around another song. And they were obviously trying to go the complete opposite direction. They're like, well, I guess if we can't use that song, let's just do something totally different. To me, it didn't work. I didn't like it. I didn't feel it. When it <laughs> came in, I was like, oh, no. It didn't even go with the bang gunshot thing. Nope. I-, I was bummed out.
2: So uh, then we come to post-match, and yeah. the big surprise that everybody's talking about, although it wasn't a huge surprise, it was speculated, but the way it was executed with John Moxley showing up, I thought it was great.
1: I thought it was perfectly done. The roof blew off the place. Yeah. People were going nuts. You and I are so mad. He walked right in front of us. Moxley, right there. We thought we pressed record. This is so weird. We both did this separately. (laughs) We thought we pressed record on our phones to get a video, and I didn't press it. It wasn't recording. I think I
2: double punched it or something. I
1: don't know what I did, but I I thought it was going, uh and then I look, and there's no numbers going. I'm like, what the hell? He just walked perfectly. I had the greatest shot. (laughs) It sucks.
2: But uh, the the crowd reaction when he came in was perfect because he came in sort of shield style, actually, coming down through the crowd. And I could see we were on the side. He came down. And I could see everybody on the other side stand up and start pointing. And I'm like, all right, something's happening to our right here.
1: They turned off the lights, though, didn't they? They flashed the lights off. Did they? Yeah. I don't... I thought they did. Maybe. maybe. I don't know. See, this is why we (laughs) wish we could have (laughs) rewatched the broadcast.
2: regardless, I turn to my right. I'm like, oh, it's Moxley. And uh, ironically, our friends, uh, Anthony and Olivia had a funny story because Anthony had gone up and he had gone up that exact aisle or an aisle near it. And they were staging Moxley to come down and he came sprinting back to his seat to tell his, his wife Olivia that, uh,
1: that
2: that Moxley was coming. So he was so excited.
1: He was like, I was marking out. I was marking out. I was like, I would have too. And so, because I asked him, like, did that ruin it for you? He's like, No, I was just really excited seeing it. And one of my favorite parts about Moxley coming out was when he stood on the casino chips. The funny thing is, who told you that was like a very WWE I've thing? S- I've
2: seen it a couple places that people thought that felt WWE. I
1: never thought that once. It I was mean, so weird.
2: I get it, but you've got those chips there. It just makes sense they would stand there. I don't know. I, I I don't think it's a homage or a ripoff or anything at WWE. It just. Seems like what they should have done.
1: It looked effing cool, <laughs> right. man. It looked so awesome. Visually, it was extremely pleasing. It was framed. Like, the camera framing was perfect. You could see, like, the Double or Nothing logo behind him, him on top of the chips. It was so perfectly done. Just And a lot of, uh, of well-planned-out stuff happened. And he just seemed to have so much energy and reinvigoration. And the cool thing is, of course, this week after Double or Nothing... Jericho released his new episode of Talk is Jericho with John Moxley, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose, talking about leaving WWE, how it felt to be there. And I'm not going to say too much about it because everybody's heard it at this point. Everybody's talked about it. If you haven't heard it, you should go listen to it now. It's really entertaining and it's really uh, eye-opening, really. I say entertaining because it gives you an idea of what it's like right now in WWE and you can almost imagine how many people must be frustrated it's sad to think but I'm sure there's other people who are creatively stifled and feeling very annoyed backstage Sasha Banks comes to mind right away and uh it sucks to be in an atmosphere like that where you're controlled like Vince you know trying to get him to say what he wants to say thinking that it's cool but it's it's really not (laughs) so Vince really not in tune of what is kind of a good thing to say and what isn't I really think the key thing you should take away from that interview and that I took away is Dean Ambrose using the word shackled. Shackled is a powerful word. You're trapped. You're you're chained up. You're not unable to do anything. You're unable to move. You're unable to be creative. You're, you're
2: lacking freedom. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so to me, it's like he even talked about how he would get sick on Mondays. He would get like physically, like he started feeling a little ill because he just didn't want to... He didn't want to go through everything. But to give him credit, a lot of people were like, oh, CM Punk, he uh, he complained. Now Moxley's doing the same thing and no one's complaining about Moxley complaining. But, you know, it's totally different. Uh, CM Punk left before his contract was up. I'm not saying CM Punk didn't have any good reason to leave. Right. He had great reasons. But Moxley stayed out his whole contract. And he said in the interview, he always tried to give what he was assigned. If he couldn't get it changed, he tried to do it to the best of his ability. He always gave his best. And I think you could see that in his WWE stuff. I truly do. If you look back, you don't see a slacker. You don't see somebody going half, you know, half-heartedly through what they're doing. He really always did seem to give it his all. But yeah, I recommend that podcast episode very highly.
2: I don't know. You're kind of countering yourself. Didn't you feel like Dean Ambrose sometimes was lazy at times? Thing. In the ring. Yeah.
1: Not in those promos, oh, ever. Okay. I always thought he was a great promo. I always thought he was a great character. Right. I actually stopped kind of liking him because of his in ring. And I don't think, I think he was, wor- in fact, he said he was working hurt.
2: Yeah, I'm sure he was. He was
1: working real hard. He was hard. a guy that
2: never took any time off. They
1: said they had these stats one time. I can't remember where I saw this. I think he was one of the longest people to wrestle without taking mm-hmm. any kind of a break or vacation. So he was on like some of the longest stretches of shows out of anybody in like a multi-year period of time. So that tells you he was working hard for like years. Yep. Like years. He didn't take any time. So yeah, he probably went backwards in the ring because he was, like, really in pain, really hurting. So I really never have had any hate towards Ambrose. Just I kind of was like, eh, I'm over it for a little while in a ring. That's all. I always liked his character.
2: Well, we're not done talking about John Moxley, uh, when we go ahead in our next segment in New Japan, we will talk about him. But uh, any final thoughts?
1: I've got a couple of final thoughts, uh, miscellaneous stuff, but then I also want to make sure we play for you guys the the speech that happened after the show went off oh, the yeah. So we're going to end with that. But first, before we do, a few miscellaneous things. Um. So the Best Friends video was ridiculous <laughs> and extremely weird. If you guys saw it, it's like ghosts. It's aliens. It's guys holding hands and people holding hands. It's not just guys. It's like guys and girls, a whole bunch of group of people, two guys holding hands too, puppies. The only thing I think that could have made it better was was floating Bill Murray heads, because if you guys have ever seen Trent's gear, he's got like a Bill Murray face on his knee pad, and if I ever interview him, that'll be the number one question I ask, the first thing, I love Bill Murray, you love Bill Murray, it's in your Twitter bio, it says Bill Murray is a cool dude, or a cool guy, or something like that, so the first thing I would ask is, I like Bill Murray, you like Bill Murray, why, what's your favorite movie, tell me more about Bill Murray, why is he on your gear, and hopefully I'd get that answer one day, maybe. But yeah, Flying Bill Murray Heads is the only thing that can make that video the best video package of all time. But also he tweeted out, him and Chuckie T were tweeting about how the conversation came about Cody showed him what they were working on for the video package and uh, they were like, any suggestions? And I think it was I can't remember if it was Chuckie T or Trent, but one of them said, can you add some aliens and like some flying ghosts and stuff? And they did! <laughs> they flipping did! So that's kind of random, but that's how the entrance came to be. Another thing is the tag team that interrupted the Best Friends match at the end. Lots of people didn't know who they were. It was silent in the building, which is a shame. But it turns out I actually recognized who they were after a second of thinking and remembering, like, who are they again? I knew they looked familiar. It was the Super Smash Brothers, and I was right. That's who they were. Of course, they had a whole bunch of, like, guys behind them. I don't know who those guys were, but the two main guys, Super Smash Brothers, they had great matches against the Young Bucks back in the day in PWG many, many years ago. But they also recently had a more recent match with the Young Bucks at Ring of Honor last year at one of their house shows, which is available on Honor Club. You can go back and watch that. Just Google Super Smash Brothers versus Bucks Ring of Honor 2018. It'll pop right up. Something that was great from that match is they did a lot of old-school stuff that they hadn't done in years. Like, the Bucks were doing back rakes. They hadn't done that in years. But they did it as an ode to their old matches with the Super Smash Brothers. Check that out. I think you guys will enjoy it. And I think you will be hyped about Super Smash Brothers in general. Also, uh, with the Bret Hart segment, MJF saying the line... Uh, call you know he was making fun of uh, Adam Page for liking horses and like having his logo be horses. He called him Sea Biscuit. Yeah. So want me to get you another Sugar Cube? <laughs> There's some great heel work there, and um, those are some of the you know last remaining little uh, comments I have. Anything you want to say?
2: Nope. Uh, just interested to see where AEW goes uh, with their show in Jacksonville as they build towards being a full fledged TV show and see how they develop some of the other guys. Not just the top end guys because, you know, the last three matches can't always be loaded with three, your six best or eight best people. So we'll see how they develop some other people.
1: Before we throw to the closing comments, are you encouraged by what you saw for the future?
2: I thought the production was good. I, I mean, again, I got to see the TV broadcast, but from what I saw, I am
1: encouraged. And, of course, oh, we totally skipped over the women's match. I thought that was good, too. What I was really, really happy to see was Britt Baker get the hugest pop. Before, of course, Awesome Kong was introduced. But Britt really got a way bigger pop than I thought. So people are obviously more familiar with her after last year, her being a part of All In and everything. And I was really happy to see her get such a great reception. Because I like her. She might be my favorite. I know a lot of people really love Kylie Ray too. She's great, too. But I love Britt.
2: And that was a great match. Highly rated as well.
1: So uh, here we go, here's the closing comments uh, from Kenny Omega and company.
5: I'm so proud of everyone, and uh, I should be mad. And you know, mad for losing, but uh, Moxley. <laughs> I'm not gonna thank you, Chris. I'm gonna thank you, Moxley, because tonight, <laughs> This is kind of clever, right, because we're in Vegas. You just raised the stakes. (laughs) Did you guys have a good time? We said, AEW, but I'm sure everyone in the crowd We put up with some form of ridicule every day Not feeling good enough Or not feeling like we've lived up to our potential We're going on the right path And today, I almost cried three or four times Because I'm so proud of everyone And I'm so happy that each and every one of you Are willing to take the chance To come on this very unique journey with us and even though I should be seeking medical attention, <laughs> I should. <laughs> Cody put me on the spot and uh, so I guess, oh boy, I guess I must get you a two. <laughs> so in yeah, Las Vegas, and heck, Around the world now. Goodbye, smooch, and good night.
1: Our two-faced wrestling talk logo was inspired by Two Face, the Batman animated series character, and his coin. The logo was designed by the talented and creative artist Eric Hudson. Eric creates wrestling-themed pieces as well as other pop culture art. He is also currently working on a Roddy Piper comic book. You can follow him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dreaded Dinosaur. You can also support his work by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash dreadeddinosaur. Please check out his work.
0: And now back to Two-Face Wrestling Talk.
2: So towards the end of that first block, we talked about John Moxley making his appearance at AEW, but he wasn't done making news this week as we switch to New Japan, and before we get to Best of Super Juniors, I guess we're looking down the road to Dominion, because guess what? Jon Moxley's going to be there.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> darn excited, because if he does more than just this match at Dominion, think of the matchup possibilities. I mean... Him versus Suzuki? Him with Suzuki? Yes, please. Uh, Him versus Phantasmo? Ishii? Uh, Anybody. Like, literally anybody. Osprey. I mean, heck. Uh,
2: I mean, Dean Ambrose in Suzuki-Goon would be great. I know. Uh, I believe. Zack Sabre Jr.? Uh, I said it on the podcast a long time ago, I'm pretty sure, when we were talking about matches that we'd love to see, and I think I said... We'd have to go back and search to con- confirm this and we're not going to go th- that deep into it. But I'm pretty sure I said Dean Ambrose and Suzuki would make a great match because Dean Ambrose seems like he he could be crazy by his, his uh, character and Suzuki is crazy.
1: It was a question we were asked something about like if you could have two wrestlers wrestle from different promotions, who would it be? And you said that. So that was a great answer. I think you really did. Like I remember you saying that. I think you really did say it yeah so the possibilities are endless and I really hope he sticks around but what does this mean for AEW and New Japan what does this mean for their relationship is there a working thing going here because you also have Jericho coming Mm. in and having a match against Okada and of course Jericho has a contract with AEW although I've I've heard on his podcast him say in my contract I can't work anywhere else but it does say I can work in New Japan for wrestling now why is that I mean, he obviously insisted. Why does Moxley have the same thing? Is it just because they're big enough stars to basically demand still being able to work there because there's people there they they really want to work with? Or is this a bigger company thing they're trying to kind of uh, almost have a good possible... Like, keep things good between them and New Japan so that maybe one day they can have a relationship. Maybe that's what they're trying to do, which would... Be a recipe for disaster for Ring of Honor.
2: Well, it goes back to my th- theory about Kenny Omega never having a formal goodbye in Japan. Yeah. Makes me think at some point, and maybe AEW is opening the door a little bit to something, that Kenny Omega may wrestle there again at some point, too.
1: It would be cool. I'd love that. Don't get me wrong. I'd love that. There's a lot of people that I'd love to go back and forth, but I'd be really uh, scared for Ring of Honor if that were to happen. Yeah. Really scared.
2: I would be too. It would be. Uh... Not good, I don't think. So, uh, as we're recording this podcast, we are caught up on Best of Super Juniors through Night 11, so there was uh, one more B block, and then one more A block, and one more B block, and then they will go to the finals on uh, Wednesday morning, Tuesday night, wherever you are. So
1: how many shows left is that that we haven't watched?
2: Uh, There will be a total of four shows before our next podcast.
1: And, that's, and that
2: includes the finals. That
1: includes the finals. So yes. four more shows that we'll be watching, and then that those four shows we'll cover next week.
2: But uh, good uh, good job of us catching up after we got back from AEW. Trying, Somehow. Trying to watch some of the uh, best of Super Juniors. A Block, to no one's surprise, is going to come down to Shingo and Ishimori. There, mm-hmm. there didn't seem like there was going to be much doubt that Shingo was going to go in there, probably undefeated. But I'll tell you what, even... The Shingo matches that you thought, you know, he's definitely going to win. They they planted some doubt with, you know, with Kanemaru, you know, the, 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 the way he uh, held up the chair to block the sp- whiskey spray.
1: Another funny blocking of the whiskey spray is when Skrull faced him and used his umbrella to block it. Very reminiscent of the Shingo yep. blocking it with a chair. So liked both of those blocks.
2: Yep. Uh, but Shingo... You know, against Marty Skrull, Brody King gets involved. You know, they, they hit him with the umbrella. So there were, there were elements where you thought Shingo could possibly lose, but you're going to end up with Shingo versus Ishimori to determine who goes to the finals. Of course, Ishimori was in the finals last year.
1: What a great visual when he held up Skrull's umbrella and was like, "Oh," and then broke it over his knee. That was like a really powerful image right there, being like, "Screw you, man," and screw your umbrella too.
2: Um, but a lot of the uh, the great matches have really been in the B block. To oh, no one's yeah. surprise, because Will Osprey's in the B block, so thus all the all of his matches are great. The match against Phantasmo, which <coughs> excuse me, you only saw bits and pieces of. But uh, his his other matches against Robbie or against Bandito, you love that match. Yeah. In fact, I've watched it twice.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, 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 That that's a wonderful match. I really loved it. And can Osprey even have a bad match? I mean, the man's incredible. Him versus Bandito blew my socks off, and him versus Phantasmo, I loved. I thought that was so well done. Phantasmo's was like a A grade A heel. He's Mm -hmm. insanely incredible. Really takes being a heel to the next level. I mean, I think he's better than MJF. I think he's better than kind of like some of the top heels out there. You know, he's almost so heelish that he could work perfectly with Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. But I think it's really great because like yeah, he's along the lines of Jay White, but I think he's even more heelish than Jay White with some of the stuff he's been doing lately. So I really loved Phantasmo versus Osprey. I thought it was even better than their first match.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, and then Phantasmo versus Rocky. After Phantasmo, uh, or actually before he picked up a loss against Yo, he uh, loses to Rocky. And what w- was a match that was. Dripping with, like, emotion, and the crowd was so behind Rocky.
1: Honestly, so far in the tournament, that's my favorite match because I was really invested. I'm usually really invested in Osprey matches, but this Rocky match got me because, you know, they just painted the story perfectly on commentary about how much this meant to Rocky. It was his first time in a long time main eventing, and it was his first time ever in that building main eventing in a singles match so the importance was laid out right there on commentary and you knew as the audience like wow this is a big deal right now and you could just feel it in the room that everyone wanted him to win the crowd was really loud especially for a japanese crowd which really made it even better watching from home when you hear a japanese crowd that invested in that loud you know they're into it and it makes you even more into it watching at home and it was just a feel-good moment that he ended up winning. I loved every moment of it. There was parts where I was screaming, being like, come on, Rocky, come on. So i got to say, because of how invested I was, that was my number one match so far.
2: And you mentioned the crowd. Three straight nights, they were at Corrigan Hall, and they they talked about how it was sold out and as loud as it's ever been in, in New Japan. And it yeah. really came across on TV. I even mentioned it before they had mentioned that on the broadcast of wow these crowds are really into it like they were really into bandito at one point they were cheering for him
1: robbie eagles they were really into Mm -hmm.
2: yep yep uh i did love in the phantasmo rocky match uh when phantasmo yelled forever like he was gonna do the forever clothesline but of course rocky was tied up upside down and he stepped on rocky's uh jewels
1: yeah Did he say forever when he did that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. he goes forever. Yeah, I couldn't remember. (laughs) That was great, too. I want to backtrack a second. I just mentioned Robbie Eagles. Another person I really, really love lately. Loved his match against Will Ospreay. I like how they're making him appear like the reluctant heel. Like, he's a heel, but he's really not anything like Phantasma. Like, he doesn't want to go too far. He feels weird going too far. And you could see that hesitance. I love that. I think it's a... A very kind of gray character, really multi-dimensional, multifaceted. well done, love what Eagles is doing and how he's portraying his character.
2: And his match against Osprey was fantastic. That's probably
1: my second favorite, uh, that and maybe a Phantasmo match against Osprey. They uh,
2: they did a really good job of uh, putting historic perspective on that match, talking about how Osprey helped to get Eagles to, to New Japan, yet uh, Eagles... Really didn't want to shake hands with him and all that. So playing the, the heel, but, you know, when Phantasmo got involved, he wasn't happy about that.
1: Right. He actually had, like, a really, uh, like, bothered look at the end of the match when he's walking out with Phantasmo. Can't wait to see what unfolds as this goes on and on, because obviously this could turn into a main storyline if, like, they're kind of clashing heads and if Eagles doesn't really want to stay a prominent heel.
2: The other thing I really want to talk about About New Japan is uh, The first week of shows It was Caprice who was fantastic uh, This last round of shows Ju- oh, yeah. Juice Robinson was so good On commentary and so funny So We I, wrote
1: down his, his lines Because they were just wonderful yeah. He must have mentioned not wonderful Bungholes like 10 <laughs> times That was insane
2: um, Let's see if I can uh, find all of his uh, uh, Let's see Some of his quotes here um, uh, yeah. I I during the Bushi Doki match, I hate Bushi, and I don't know who Doki is from a ham sandwich. Uh,
1: but he said Dookie which was even yes. worse That he said it like Dookie
2: He in talking about Gresham, he said he's like ZSJ, that little bastard. Yeah. Uh, later, uh, Will Osprey, he said, did a move called the Whistling Bunghole.
1: <laughs> he said that like I said a thousand times, it felt like he said bunghole.
2: He referred to Bushi's uh costume as native american business casual luchador uh when he was talking about osprey he said osprey pisses you off as a wrestler because you wonder why why can't i do that i thought that was another great line Uh, did i miss one
1: Uh, i wrote one on the side there
2: oh (laughs) i wouldn't have even seen that one
1: uh early in the match uh changing the light bulbs when he elevated him really high up in the air. He's like, he's changing the light bulbs. Oh, yeah. And I was like, what does he mean by that? Like he's going really <laughs> high up and you're like, yep. I thought that was a cool analogy, a cool comparison.
2: During the Phantasma Rocky match, Red Shoes gets knocked out and Juice, is, Juice says, Red Shoes is taking a
1: GD nap. <laughs> oh yeah, that was great.
2: And then in the Osprey Eagles match, he changed what Osprey's move was called and called it the Flying Taint Smasher. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that So
2: uh, Juice was uh, tremendous on uh analysis and i i I miss that he's going away gino is good but not nearly as good as juice and caprice i don't think
1: i would listen to juice on commentary any day he really added to it for me personally
2: and i liked the touch now as we were catching up on new japan we already knew about the moxley video being moxley but on the new japan shows they were playing it and they kept saying you know, this is a threat to Juice, and Juice was like, uh, "Quit showing this. I don't, I don't know what this is. I don't like this." Yeah, I thought that was kind of good work by him, uh, selling that too. And uh, you know, that's going to be interesting too, Moxley versus Juice.
1: Yeah, I, I really can't wait because a lot of people hate on Juice. Juice is a B plus player. No, <laughs> I love Juice, and I, I think he's an A plus commentator. I don't no. think he's a B plus. Anything. I don't think he's a B plus wrestler, but he's certainly not a B plus commentator. Wow. Uh, he's awesome, and I can't wait to see him. Like, I think he'll probably be really amped up to face Moxley slash Ambrose, especially because like the history, like they both were in NXT at one mm-hmm. point and everything. I just think it'll be really neat, and uh, I'm sure they'll make a story out of it.
2: Well, speaking of NXT, we'll uh, switch gears and talk a little WWE and NXT this weekend. NXT Takeover twenty five. Uh, really a celebration to some of the great pay-per-views they've had. But they're going to take a uh, rewind on one of the, on the biggest match, Gargano versus Adam Cole. That's going to be the main event. Uh, I know you're not the hugest Adam Cole fan, but we saw that takeover two out of three falls match in Brooklyn, and that was a lot of fun.
1: It was a great match, and let me kind of clarify... I'm not the biggest Adam Cole wrestling right. fan. I'm a really big fan of the Adam Cole like character and the Adam Cole promo. Anything he does with talking, he's gold. Mm-hmm. I've always been lukewarm about his wrestling, though, and I don't know why that is. I really don't. But having said that, he brought it against Johnny Gargano at that takeover match we were at in New Jersey.
2: Uh, The women's match... uh, Or New
1: York, or wherever that was. uh, Brooklyn, yeah. Whatever, I can't even Mm -hmm. remember where we were.
2: Uh, The women's championship, uh, Io Shirai against Shayna Baszler. I think that's going to be a great match. Again, uh, Shayna brings it every time.
1: I love Shayna. She's (laughs) like... I've said it, and I'm sorry if you're a long-time listener. I know I say it a lot. Out of all of WWE, she might be the best heel. Like, maybe even out of all the guys, too. I think she's really top-tier heel. Just... So real, so natural. Like, you don't think that she's putting on a show. You think she's really that scary in real life. That's <laughs> what I think, at least.
2: Uh, there's also a, a four-way tag match for the vacant title that uh, the War Machine War Raiders Viking Experience Viking Raiders you had to vacate. that's so silly
1: that they vacated you know, it. Yeah, I, I
2: don't understand why they just didn't have a final match there, especially if they're going to get promoted and not be on TV ever. But... that's that's another soapbox topic uh your boy matt riddle
1: yay bro 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 bro
2: he'll be on the show i know you're excited about that
1: i'm always excited to see matt riddle he's in my top 10 but it's really hard to make a top 10 list of wrestlers right now there's so many great wrestlers but he's definitely in there
2: so and i'm sure there'll be some surprises with it being the 25th takeover uh i think it'll probably be a fun show on saturday night not much to talk about from WWE. A lot of what they're doing is uh, setting up matches for Super Showdown, which I'm not even sure how excited I am, despite the fact that they're claiming it's going to be a WWE or a WrestleMania caliber show. Ridiculous. But uh, Baron Corbin won a fatal four way in that, so he's going to face Seth Rollins. But really, one of the standout things is. Brock Lesnar sh- showing all this personality with the briefcase box.
1: I actually really like it because it's such a great change from him like doing or saying nothing, showing no personality, look like he doesn't want to be there. A lot of people are saying he's going over the top, but I kind of like it. It's something.
2: Yeah. Oh, What's yeah. it called?
1: The Brock box or Brock the box. I yeah. Think, like yeah. a beatbox yep. Brock box. I actually like it. And I, I love all of, like the stupid memes and stuff. People are like putting different music to his head, Bob. It's it's wonderful.
2: I thought the best match on TV this week was probably Cesaro and Ricochet. Mm-hmm. That's what WWE needs to emphasize more. If, they, if they're if they going to compete with uh, AEW as far as eyeballs for actual matches, you've got to let your talent, like Cesaro and Ricochet, actually wrestle. Speaking of AEW, that's probably the biggest news on WWE TV this week.
1: Why, oh why, <laughs> did they have Sami Zayn say the words AEW? <laughs> I don't know... You know, if they thought that would be a good idea, like they're trying to make fun of the product. But really, they didn't say anything. They just said, you could ask me about AEW. And all it did was make people search for AEW and bring more eyes to finding out what AEW is. It's stupid. Well... I don't usually get that harsh about my, you know, criticisms of WWE, but it's stupid. It really is stupid.
2: It was dumb, but it's funny. That comment and a couple others were really the only thing that saved that segment. It was... The whole having fans ask questions, it was all just very uncomfortable. Sami Zayn really actually did a good job kind of saving the segment by threatening to attack the one fan, and then he brings up AEW. Otherwise, I thought that that segment was kind of a disaster. Yeah, I
1: don't know what they're trying to do. (laughs) And a lot of people I saw on Twitter saying, like, you know, this is, like, their answer. Like, you had a great show over the weekend by another company, and, like, you don't change anything up. No, I mean, and in fact, you mentioned the company that had the great show. It's just all very strange. It's very odd.
2: Yeah, I mean, you you come off AEW putting on this product where the focus was the wrestling, and then WWE follows it up this week, and I've got three matches written down as good matches over the course of the week: the Ricochet match, the uh, Kofi Kevin Owens rematch, and the Fatal Four Way was decent, but that's it in five hours of television. Three matches stood out to me. Yes, three
1: matches, <laughs> but how many stories? Yeah. Any? Nah. Nothing? No, I
2: mean, more of Dolph Ziggler, I guess.
1: How many promos stood out? I don't know. See, that, like, yes, they, they have a great roster. They've got the talent for great matches. They barely even utilize that. They're not utilizing, like, storytelling at all or promo, and that's what we heard in the John Moxley interview, and it's like they've got to amp that up because one of the benefits of AEW... And I'm not going to be always pro AEW and bashing WWE when WWE does stuff right, I give them props. But what they're not doing right now, right, what they're not doing right right now, is they're not utilizing storytelling. It's like basic. You can make a good story. You've got three hours for Raw and two hours for SmackDown. You can make something of note. But literally, you can't think of anything good right now. I, I asked you. You're like, no, I, I don't know. <laughs> AEW has that creative freedom. So they've got a big competition in that they can say and do whatever they want. The wrestlers are kind of reinvigorated because they can kind of make their own promos. So to me, you've got to have your writing staff, if you insist on writers writing what the wrestlers say, you've got to have them working really, really hard to try to come up with some compelling things for wrestlers to say.
2: Well, WWE's got a, I mean, AEW's got a couple of shows before they go full-on TV. WWE's got time to try and fix this, but they better do it soon and they better start realizing that they're going to lose eyeballs uh, if people can see the AEW product and see the focus on wrestling and decent storytelling as opposed to a bunch of goofy stuff.
1: Yeah, I think just cut out like some of the goofy stuff, but again, it's, it's Vince's sense of humor that seems to be guiding these segments of comedy and things. So I don't know. Uh, WWE can improve and they've got little pockets of improvement here and there sometimes. You know, we go through stretches where they're really bad, but then there's a little stretch of goodness. However, it's been few and far between lately, so I'm hoping to see another good stretch soon. Well, or they're... they're
2: or they They can't have it where their only good wrestling matches are at pay-per-views, because AEW is not not just going to have be, the good matches on pay-per-view. Their weekly television is probably going to be 70, 75% good matches. Yeah. So... That's the thing WWE is going to have to wake up to, uh, and go, look. There's different audiences. There are people that like the goofy stuff, but the ratings clearly show that things are going in the wrong direction on WWE television, and and the competition from AEW competition does uh, raise all, all all boats in harbor or whatever that expression is. Um, so we'll see what happens uh, in the months to come. Yep. But that's uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, again, we want to promote that uh, next week we will have interviews with our artist Eric Hodson and Jimmy Havoc, yeah. and, and two weeks we will have an extended interview with Colt Cabana. Next week we'll be talking Best of Super Juniors Finals and looking ahead to Dominion. We'll talk about NXT TakeOver 25 and uh, lots of other discussion, I'm sure, uh, coming down the pike as well. And, of course, you've got your shows again uh, one in the can from this past week and one next week.
1: One next week will be more of like a listener type of a uh, kind of driven show. It'll be questions that you guys give me. I also posed out a question on my social media. I said, you know, if you could be any cartoon character, past or present, who would you be and why? And uh, I'm going to read you guys' answers and then I'll answer questions that you give me. You know, not just cartoon, anything like pop culture, uh, movies, TV, wrestling, stuff about me, whatever. So uh, send in your questions and also answer my question. Go to my Twitter at SuperKickInIt to find all that. S-U-P-E-R-K-I-C-K-I-N-G-I-T. And uh, stay tuned to us at TwoFacePod, T-W-O-F-A-C-E-D-P-O-D, for all the excited stuff coming up in the future. But that does it for our show right now. That's all the time we have. We appreciate you guys spending your time with us. We know it's valuable. We really appreciate it. But that's all we have for today. That's it. That's the finish. Thank you.